love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and Alyssa, do you have any guesses where in the world I am right now? Because I feel like I've been uh, like jet setting, like living the like true pro triathlete life these days. I know. I feel like I do know because I have a connection to <laughs> to where you are. But I was surprised. I will see to be like, oh, um, Smash Fest Queen Camp is wrapping up. Haley's headed back to Bozeman. And then the next thing I know, I'm finding out from my one of the athletes I coach, Lauren Palmer, like, oh, what training should I like? Is it OK if I'm doing some of Haley's training with her this week? And I'm like, wait, what? You live in Tucson. You don't live in Bozeman. So how are you going to do Haley's training with her? Like, are we on Zoom for this? And she's like, oh, no, Haley decided to just drive to Tucson instead of going back home to Bozeman so she could ride Mount Levin. And I was like, oh, boy, that was a great idea, actually. So um how's it going how's it going in tucson arizona Haley? yes you have the whole scoop you do have the whole <laughs> scoop but i uh i did last time we talked i was in san diego at team sfq smash fest queen our apparel sponsor they had a camp in tucson or in san diego and i was had my bike packed i was in route to go to the i was on my way to the airport lauren was giving me a ride to the airport <laughs> and we stopped at this great restaurant called Plant Powered that um, Hillary Biscay actually suggests. We're stopping at this restaurant and we're both pretty tired because it's been a full, very full couple days of camp, really wonderfully full, but um, but definitely busy. And Lauren was just like, man, I wish someone could drive back with me. I wish you could drive back to Tucson because it's about a six hour drive from San Diego to Tucson. And I was like, yeah, I should just book my flight out of Tucson. That would have been like a safer way for to travel. And then she was actually like, why don't you just stay in Tucson? And so I, and I did, I will admit, I looked at my training schedule and I looked at the Bozeman weather and I had like two six hour rides on my schedule and uh, the Bozeman weather was like 30 and snow. And I was just like, I will do a lot on the trainer, but here is someone who's offering me a, a drive and a place to stay in Tucson. I can ride Mount Lemon. So I like called my parents and was like, can you take cowboy for a few more days? Are you okay with that? And then canceled my flight. Like, I mean, this is like a few hours, like two hours before I was supposed to fly out, like on in route to the airport, I canceled my flight and we just drove to Tucson. And what's your, did you have enough training clothes and like everything because you were going for camp so you can kind of make do with just everything you had packed or are you wearing Lauren's clothes what are you like how are you do you feel prepared for <laughs> I feel like that question. would be like my biggest concern <laughs> do we just go on a shopping okay. spree because there's nothing the drive between San Diego and Tucson you're not going to find much to stop and shop at in Yuma Arizona which is like the only place you can stop at so but there's plenty of places in Tucson so did you have to go shopping for clothes I mean the smash warehouse is there so I guess you were you would luck out in that way you hit it right on okay first of all the shirt I'm wearing right now this casual shirt is Lauren's <laughs> so I am wearing some Lauren's clothes this is like full service um housing situation here Lauren Palmer it's like thank you so much um but I, and I did go shopping at the smash warehouse. I did do that. And I, so I had packed 
like a lot of smash clothes because I was at the smash camp anyway. And I'd only packed two cycling kits and I have just been doing a lot of laundry. Like, honestly, that's the other nice thing is that, um, Lauren has a very nice laundry room. And so I've been making good use of that. And, um, and so it has required some fancy like laundry situation, but for the most part, it's been great. Like I, um, I did get to ride, I've ridden Mount Lemmon twice and got my long rides in. I had, um, a really, I basically what has been like my best three days of training in years. So I'm just so thankful to be here and get this situation. I've gotten, you know, a lot of vitamin D, vitamin D and just, um, just the training that I needed that was probably a little bit more St. George specific climbing on the bike and wind and a little heat. Um, it is definitely a lot warmer here and I did not feel totally ready for that. And also I, like in Bozeman, I, I think the UV index is zero and that is not what it is here. And so like the first ride I did, I like a two hour ride and I was like so burnt and I, yeah, I should have packed my more Zelios. Like there's definitely some things I should have packed more of, but I'm, I'm making do with, with this opportunity. And I feel like this has been like a theme in my life lately where I just am like on a whim and it turns out really good. So hopefully, yeah. um, we'll just know, keep like that going for sure. Travel. Yeah. And I did catch Haley. I wanted to, um, you know, usually I ask you about your Utah Kona. I think I see that Utah Kona is the new hashtag we're using, which I like that because then I can say your Utah Kona workout of the week, um, that you want to give our listeners. And so there's a, it looked like you had a fun run. So Tucson for people who haven't been there, there is the bike path, which is like, now it's really long. Like when I first started going to Tucson, it was not that long. Um, it didn't all connect and it was kind of disjointed, but now I think it goes like around the entire city for like 50 miles or something crazy, maybe even longer. But, um, so Haley, I saw an Instagram reel of you, I believe on the, the bike path doing, it looked like a pretty legit run. So tell us, was that, was it legit? Were you just making it look legit for the reel? Well, can you give us that details as your workout of the week? Yes. Utah Kona workout of the week. Okay. We also have to give Lauren Palmer, Ella Barger credit for, the term Utah Kona. Cause again, she's like housing me, um, sagging or filming some of my sessions and then, um, clothing me and helping me with branding. <laughs> so <laughs> She does it all. Um, but, uh, and anyone who's worked with smash Fest queen does know Lauren can do it all. But, um, yeah, so I guess we should like lay the land a little bit in Tucson. So people aren't familiar with Mount Lemon. It's a pretty famous cycling climb. I think it's, I mean, the way I did it was about, it's like about 25 mile climb up to the general store. Cause I needed to re, um, plenish and you start at like 2000 feet and I think you end above 8,000 feet. So a big elevation gain, you start around in the desert surrounded by cactus and then you finish in like pine trees and it's a lot cooler. So that's definitely and really just nice road surface, a good long sustained climb. I mean, you're climbing for like two and a half hours. So it's definitely like a really good training climb. And then the bike path, like you mentioned, I haven't been in Tucson for seven years and I was similar. Like when last time I was here, it was like short. And now I think it's like, it's over a hundred miles, maybe 200 miles of bike path. It's amazing. Wow. Yes. It's so amazing. So I actually rode like from Lauren's house to Mount Lemon and a lot of it on the bike path, which was also very nice. Cause I obviously don't have a car here and it just made that ride even longer. Cause training for Ironman. It's like, how long can you go? It's longer is always, almost always better, but the run I did, which this is a good workout of the week. Um, so I did this fatigued on purpose after I had done a couple big days 
of cycling. And I did, um, I started with like an eight mile, just mellow run with Lauren and her dog Costa around. And then I went out for another like 35 minutes. So I was at about like an hour 45 and then I threw in some intervals. And so the reason I did that was because I wanted to kind of simulate, um, Ironman fatigue without running super long. So I had run, I don't know exactly how far I'd run. I, that the whole run ended up being about 16 miles and, um, and just the last 30 minutes were hard. And those were actually, I did, um, five minutes at like tempo pace or like 70.3 pace for me. Um, and then with two minutes break and I did that four times. So I was, and Alyssa, I was really impressed with my paces actually, because <laughs> again, I'm going into this with a lot of fatigue, like mostly cycling fatigue, but also some running fatigue. And, um, and so I was running between like 550 and six minute pace. So I was pretty pumped with that. And, um, uh, you know, I felt really good and I haven't run like that well while fatigued and like ever maybe. So it makes me feel pretty good for St. George in a month. And I will say it was very helpful. Like, so Lauren, after I dropped her off, um, I went back out, she grabbed, you know, she like fed the dog and then grabbed, um, like her road bike and some ice cold water and some ice cold noon endurance and then, um, met me. And so I had like sag and I also had like someone filming me and I wasn't paying that much attention, but I think you get a, like a lot of looks when you pass people (laughs) because it's like, who are you? And I did, I felt a little bit like Heather Jackson because if anyone watches like Heather Jackson's YouTube videos, she's always running on the path. And I was like, Oh, this is what it feels like. You feel very, very cool. I highly recommend it. I mean, maybe Laura, services can be like out for hire or something like that because you feel like a rock star so lauren's family lauren grew up um pretty close to where i grew up and so quite often for the holidays we are both at home and like 25 30 minutes away from each other and the beauty of being the coach is that i can then say like oh surprise this is your christmas gift this year then you get to do this like workout or something like that and her and her husband Brent have often been roped into some, you know, crazy miles or a lot of the time they're just like coming to help pull me through the last of my crazy miles or something like that. And we, it does help like there, I think, think like two or three years ago, um, Lauren was like, she was filming me on the bike path at home and it does, it, it like helps. First of all, it helps you feel stronger, right? It's like a mental boost. And mm-hmm. um, it for sure, it makes it more fun. So I feel like I'm really pumped with the timing of this for you to like have this push for your last big, you know, few training weeks, because it has to be almost taper time. I mean, we don't get to taper a lot for Ironman. So it's not like you get weeks and weeks of that. But um, I feel like you're kind of seeing the light at the end of the long, dark Ironman training tunnel by now. Yeah. And like I said, I'm feeling really good. I think the extra sunshine has helped and I'm here for a few more days and then I'll head back to Bozeman and kind of sharpen up and yeah, get my downtime and everything there. But this has, I felt like I was in good, I felt like I was in a good position going into Chile and that race gave me a lot of feedback. And I did think one of the things I I needed more of was just more long bike rides and sustained climbing, which I can do in Bozeman. It just gets really cold if it's, you know, it can be really cold, especially descending. And then, um, you can do some simulated climbing on the trainer, but 
it just doesn't quite have the views of Mount Lemon. <laughs> so it has been like so nice. And like you said, having Lauren on SAC, I hope, thank you for lending her to me. Cause I know that she's probably done a few extra, like she did do my like transition runs with me and she's done, you know, she did a little extra shakeout ride after her run on, on Sunday. So it's been uh it's been a treat. So I appreciate you uh, lending your athlete to me for a few days. Oh, it's so good for her to get to see what goes into a world championship race performance like you are going to have right so any opportunity she would have to do that i want her to be a part of and uh haley you did mention the vitamin d that you've been getting out there and that reminded me that i have been getting or i recently i talked about it last week i think i had inside tracker and i had my appointment and I went and did that, I think right before we talked, like maybe that same day, I think I had done that. And the results came back a couple days later. Everyone, they're not very exciting. So I don't have a lot to report. So that's a good thing though, when you're just doing your basic kind of, you know, every four to six months blood draw, just to make sure things are going okay. Um, But I will say, you know, the two things that I always am looking at that I always feel like I am paying attention to and trying to actively make sure, uh, you know, uh, whether through supplements or just like my diet and stuff, um, are ferritin and vitamin D and both of those were, well, the ferritin was yellow. So that was the thing, uh, is 44, which is definitely not the lowest I've ever seen it for myself, but I like it if it's above 50 for sure. Um, but I'm not sure where the, the range turns not yellow. Um, but so it's in the yellow which to me means I need to pay attention to it. And, um, but the good news is that I've been using like a liquid iron supplement and I think that's working better than other things I've used in the past. So I'm going to continue that. And then my vitamin D was also, it was green, but it was borderline green, I feel like. So, um, you know, living in New Hampshire now through the winter, I feel like that's definitely something I just should be for sure paying attention to because it was low when I lived in Virginia and got outside a bit more. And so I need to just make sure that I'm doing the right things. And I think that the fact that it is green is a great sign, but, uh, you know, it's good to know, like it's low green, so I shouldn't be slacking off. I need to be paying attention and, you know, not letting myself get lazy about it, which is really easy to do as training picks up, you know? So, um, really grateful that that was super easy to get done and just have a check-in just mentally. It's nice to do that as you start getting like more tired and things with training to be like checking in and make sure things are good. And it's like training fatigue and not something else and things like that. So, um, just a reminder, if you want to do your own inside tracker blood draw, uh, you can head to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty for 20% off of your package there. And Alyssa, I, okay, I know we are, we, we have mailbag questions. Are we ready to like answer some mailbag questions since I have slightly better Wi-Fi, slightly better recording situation this week? Yes. Yeah, since I can see your face and I feel like our conversation is going a little bit better, um, when you're not recording from the closet of San Diego, uh, which you know, we both have done now. So I feel bad. I feel better that now I'm not the only one who's who's made you like endure a recording session like that. Um, but yes. So Sonia wrote into us a couple months ago now, actually Haley, and gave us a bunch of questions to just kind of keep on hand as we need to dig in for ideas for the mailbag. These are all really good questions. So I'm really glad that we are getting to some of these now. And the first one we're going to do today, Haley, is about ocean swims and seasick and nausea, seasickness and nausea. 
She wants to know if we have any tips for reducing the chances of that happening, how to handle it when it does happen. She thinks it happens to her, at least randomly, with no relation to how bad the waves are. Um, And Haley, I wanted to ask you this question because I saw, after we talked last time, part of the training camp with the Team SFQ was practicing in the ocean. And it looked like San Diego treated you guys, I shall say, gave you the gift of plenty of surf to be practicing in. So I'm sure it was quite wavy. I'm sure it was a little tumultuous, tumultuous out there. And I do, I do, I'm someone who gets seasick when I'm swimming long ocean swims. Um, and my advice to people is to like, you just throw up in your mouth and swallow it down. And it's really gross and it's, it's not fun. Um, but Ew, I don't oh know. Oh my God, no. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I don't know, I guess, well, because my thought is like, if you throw up into the ocean, then you're like attracting sharks, right? So I'm like, no, there's no way I'm like gonna blast my vomit and then be like shark bait out there. So I just like, yeah, try and mind over matter and like keep it from happening and getting worse. But the only time I got really seasick, it was a 10k ocean swim too. So I think that was like extreme. But Haley, tell me, were you having problems with seasickness out there at team at camp? Were other people? Did you ha- do you have any tips for handling it? Yes. So I am someone who gets seasick very easily. Like I get seasick in pools sometimes. So I, I don't think it's so much random for me as like almost all the time. And I do not throw up in my mouth and swallow it. (laughs) Sorry, that's not my advice. But um, I do think that um, things I found that do help are uh, starting to swim with a full stomach, which I know is counterintuitive, but I think that if you have like a bunch of bread or carbs in your stomach to start, it actually just helps like settle your stomach. Um, I've heard of some people taking ginger, like ginger dramamine, which I think is non-drowsy. I haven't actually tried that because I just like get worried it will make me drowsy. So I haven't done that. Um, I think for me, going harder, like swimming harder actually helps because there's less time for me to like look around. And so if you are somewhere really beautiful, it is like you want to look around. Maybe if you're like in Hawaii, you can see fish and coral. I think you have to resist the urge to look around and, you know, you just have to like focus on swimming, look at the horizon. And I think that that will help a little bit, but we definitely, I dealt with seasickness at camp. I was seasick. I think we swam out past the breakers. And then, um, one of the women asked me, she was like, Haley, how do you deal with seasickness? And I just replied, let's go in. <laughs> like, so it was, uh, that in that moment, I was just like, I need to just get in and get on solid land because I'm just going to keep getting sicker and sicker. And it was just, it was the, our practice was to practice swimming in and out of the breakers, which I needed to practice with as well. And for that one extra tip, swim under the waves. I think that was, uh, Alex Watt, who was a fellow pro, um, had really, really good tips. Maybe we should have her on in the coming weeks and she can give us open water swimming tips, but she was, a uh, she's very good at it, but there is an art to swimming underneath those waves. And I think that also helps because I do think it is like, the, I think the bigger the waves, or if it's really swelly waves, I think that that will lead to, to more seasickness. And again, if you do get seasick, you know, aim to get through it and like get to out, get to solid land. And I would take yourself, give yourself a second to get some carbs in again, counterintuitive, but I think eating helps. And then like cold water, kind of getting some cold breeze on your face. I think that that will help. These are all great tips, Haley. And, um, hopefully no one is like myself and gets really bad seasickness when they're in the middle of of the ocean, in the middle of a 10 K swim and you can't do anything, but just, keep swimming. And then actually Haley, I mean, that it was like a classic story. Of course, Hillary was leading the swim. I was with her and Mike 
I think they had a babysitter. I think they only had two children at the time. They had a babysitter. So we got out. I was so sick. I think they were fine, but also tired because it took us so long because I was a slow swimmer and they forgot that I swim slower than them. And then we had to walk like I feel like we had like a two mile walk back to the condo. And so there was no carbs or bread on the ground waiting for us when we got out of the swim. And so it was a rough that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a little scarred from that swim, I have to say. But good tips. I'm going to try that next time. I'm going to pack in my little inflatable buoy bag some bread, maybe even some emergency Dramamine and all of that for the <laughs> the next time I go out and swim 10K in the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, and I think you can vomit in the ocean. I don't think that that will attract a shark. I just like, don't swallow it. Let's vomit it out. <laughs> but, uh, and thank you to Sonia for the questions. We'll keep working on those. And then one last quick shout out to Liza, who wrote in a few weeks ago about uh, whether or not to wear an aero helmet. Liza, she wore her aero helmet at Ironman South Africa and finished second in her age group in her very first Ironman. So congratulations to Liza. What? Go Liza. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And um, so if anyone else has questions, you can write into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Sometimes we do give really good advice. And Haley, the interview we have for everyone this week um, is a is a special one because you can all miss me while you're listening to it because this was actually done while I was uh, in the middle of the Berkeley marathons essentially. And so I wasn't there to kind of be your wing person, wing woman and do the interview as normal, but thank you so much for covering this. And can you tell us a little bit about who we're hearing from this week? Yeah, I, um, I know you were missed Alyssa, but it is still a good conversation. I talked to Lada Miller and Lada is a Norwegian pro triathlete. She primarily races on the world Tra- triathlon series, uh, draft legal circuit. So short course, uh, Olympic distance and sprint distance, but she did actually race her first 70.3 in Portugal last year and finished fourth. So she has a future in, in longer distance racing as well. But I talked to a lot of, uh, just after she'd done a training camp with the Norwegian national team earlier this year. And we talk about her training, her race season last year, which did include the Tokyo Olympic games, as well as her thoughts on the kind of Norwegian training and racing ethos. And like you mentioned, I did record this interview a few weeks ago while you were running the Barkley Marathon. So it is just me flying solo, but Lada and I still had plenty to chat about. And we'll have that full conversation right after the break. Hi, Lada. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Well, we are excited to have you. I'm excited to have you. I'm flying solo today, but I know that I'm talking to you fairly late in, in your day. And I think you just got out of a swim session. Do I have that right? Yeah, so it's uh, seven o'clock Norwegian time. It's getting dark outside, and I just had my dinner post swim. So yeah, you're correct. So uh, where you're training in Norway right now? Yeah, I'm uh, living in Stavanger. It's southwest Norway. So um, yeah, I'm here. I'm based here. That's where I'm born. This is where I had, you know, my upbringing, my family. So. Stavanger and yeah, this is where my base is. Okay. And are you, are you training by yourself right now or are you with a squad? What is the training situation like? So right now, because, um, the way we have it in Norway is the national team. When we're out on camps, we're pretty, um, much training altogether. And then when we head home, we're all 
in different bases, just fairly based on where we're from, uh, our, where, you know, where we want to stay, close to family, studies and so on. And Stavanger is my home base, so it's not really a squad. I kind of base my training around myself and then try to get some company on the bike, maybe some cyclists and swimming with a swimming club and then running on and off with some friends, runners by myself. So I'm pretty flexible in that way. And how often are you at a camp with the Norwegian national team and how often are you at home? Well, uh, I returned home um, and became a part of the national team 100% after being based in Denmark for a couple of years. I did that the last year in 2021. And we left on camp uh, in January and then we returned back home after the Olympics. So basically eight months later. That was a very special thing because it was because of the pandemic and traveling back home and having to be in quarantine, it wasn't ideal leading into the Olympics. So this year it is a little bit different. I have personally decided that I would like to stay a bit more at home just to get that feeling of of having a bit more relaxed vibes. I wanted that after the Olympics just to test out how that works for me. I'm an athlete that really likes having stability around and having the ability to just kind of connect off, just really just get away from triathlon and just feel, you know, family, friends, and, and what do I want to do on the side of being an athlete as well. So, um, but we have been on camp. I just returned back home after being three weeks on camp with the national team again. So there is a lot of three weeks on, then we return back home, have a month of training, and then we head out for camps again. But it's very individual. It's, uh, it's all on how you, you know, how you feel and how you feel you thrive as an athlete if you like the setup of traveling a lot or if you like to be based at home. Yeah. Okay. And I think you were just in Spain for your last camp. Is that right? Yeah. In the Nusha, it's Alicante, Calpe area. How was that? Did, do you have any, uh, favorite training sessions that you get to do when you're all together like that? Well, this was the first time in, um, the Calpe area. So it was a lot of hills, a lot of climbing. So we did some pretty good uh, longer sessions on the bike. I quite like these uh, um, longer sessions where you have maybe three times 20 minute thresholds or five times 10 minute thresholds where you really have to work on, on endurance and, and just grinding away. And um, especially when we all cycle out together, we'll uh, start off and then everyone will kind of separate. We will probably see each other in in the pauses when we have our breaks and then we head off again. And then after the session's done, we all meet up again and we ride back home. And that's quite nice. It's very social. And um, yeah, I just love biking in general. So yeah, that's why I love those sessions. How many people, how many athletes and how many coaches are usually with you in, in a camp like this? So this time it was kind of special because usually we're not the whole national team together. Usually there's only the elites and seniors racing, no, right, traveling around because it's easier because we're not limited um, because of school studies and so on. 
the juniors tend to stay at home and they don't really get to be a part of the high performance um, environment as much. But we try to get in at least one camp a year where we try to be the whole team because we think it's important that the juniors see what the, the older, more experienced athletes do and kind of learn from that. So this time we were 12 athletes. We did not have Gustav and Christian with us. They were doing their own program, so we didn't have the whole full senior squad. But uh, yeah, 12 people uh, or 12 athletes. And then we had uh, three coaches with us. We have we want to have two coaches there because we think it's, it's very good to have um, not too few coaches and as many athletes, especially when they're younger athletes involved because they need to have more guidance. Uh, and then we kind of try to give the coaches a break so they can have one week on and then they'll kind of go home and tend to their families and other work if they have that on the side and then they come back and return. So it's kind of a um, switch of coaches mid-camp and then, yeah. So we get um, a very varied coaching group as well. Uh, and that helps because... Uh, Sometimes during a longer camp, it's always nice to get in some new people at the end. Yeah. Yes. Because are you all living together and eating meals together outside of training sessions? Yeah. So we're basically living, we're living camp life. So we have apartments and we have social uh, dinners. So everyone meets up for dinner and then we go, you know, retreat to our apartments, but we share rooms with the roommates. So it's, uh, it's very much the camp lifestyle you see each other outside of training you see each other for meals and you see each other for sessions so it's very intense yeah yeah and I think earlier this year you might have had COVID but it sounds like you're back to a normal training load now is that right yeah well I had um I had COVID um in January and I have unfortunately had a setback I had two really good weeks on camp and then I got really, really tired start week three. And I'm trying to figure out where the fatigue comes from because it's very much just the fact that my body doesn't respond. It doesn't really take in the sessions that I'm doing. So I've had two weeks now where I haven't really been able to do the training that I want. Um, and I think it is COVID. I think it's, it's trying to navigate what should you do when you've been sick and it's very individual for athletes i can now see more athletes sharing their stories of how they have navigated you know through hard times post um uh, illness some people they just you know take a couple of easy days and then they're up you know no as normal um i have unfortunately maybe started a bit too intense and i'm paying for it now so yeah, but it's it's slowly feeling more and more like normal now, but I'm still trying to just wait for my body to respond for sessions again. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that, but um I'm I'm hopeful you have a good team around you who are working on this and and like you said it's so individual and and hopefully by you sharing your story there too, you know, someone will listen if they fall, you know, have a setback, you can be a kind of a guide um for for this world we're living in right now. We're all trying to navigate it on, you know, with uncertainty. Um, but 2022 
is a different kind of year because the Olympics were only what seven, eight months ago. And then, but then the next Olympics are only two years away. So how are you approaching this year? Is, is your mindset focused on Paris? Yeah, of course. I think going to Tokyo, I felt that was a super experience. I left the games feeling that I didn't do it the way that was the best way for me leading into the games and also how I attacked it mentally uh, and the race itself. So I was a bit frustrated, a bit sad leaving, but that also has put a flame in my, you know, in my belly for I have to do it again. I want to do it again and I want to do it better. So definitely Paris and, and also because there is another event that we really want to be able to take part in and that's the mixed team relay. So very much so. Um, but then again, it was such an intense year leading into the games. There was so much strange things. There's so many strange things happening. 2020, the postponement. It would be very nice to have that year of having a timeout having a break, not having to mentally be on again in end May, start June, and then having to focus on a new Olympic cycle. So I think, although I am motivated, I want to do Paris, there's also the sense of the mental strain last year had would be nice to kind of have a year where you can just relax, do whatever you feel like, maybe race a little differently, maybe some more long course racing, maybe want to do some cycling races, maybe more running, just to kind of be an athlete that can try new things. I think every athlete thrives on challenging themselves. And triathlon is such um it's a very nice, it's a sport where you can do different disciplines. You can race short course, you can also race long course. But the way the season is planned out is it's very hard to maybe put in some of these different and fun races during a season. And especially when the season starts quite late, it starts end May uh, or mid May, and then it ends very late as well. It ends in Abu Dhabi in. I think it's December. There's not really a lot of time to do um, spontaneous and um, fun, different kinds of racing that would probably be nice to do for athletes that would have like, you know, a gap, a gap year because we lost that. So that's what I think is a shame. But then again, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. We just have to put on uh, our, um, acceptance hat do you say that no you can't say that that's probably a Norwegian phrase but you just have to accept it and then uh, focus on um, the job you have to do ahead yeah right this this shortened Olympic cycle hopefully in 2025 we can do all a bunch of fun things right looking forward to that yeah yeah because there's so much fun things to do and I've told myself that as an athlete all the investment or all the hours put down. There's so many different kinds of ways you can challenge your body. You can do a marathon if you want that. You can do some crazy cycling races. And I think also that you owe yourself 
the opportunity to do other physical activities when you've put such a big investment in having an athletic body that can handle great and you know really um high amount of pressure and and um, um yeah so that's what i tell myself is you owe yourself this you owe yourself to challenge yourself in different ways because you have a body that has the ability to really push itself and that's because you've put in the hours and you have this amazing machine that can do things no one else can do so you owe yourself to do those things yes and, and that's how i also get really motivated in doing different stuff right and it's good because you're i think you're in your mid-20s you have lots of time ahead to to challenge yourself in all those physical ways take advantage of that fitness and i just want to back up a little bit to you mentioned tokyo the tokyo olympics i think you finished 24th and you you talk about i mean the entire experience was obviously so different but the lead up and coming out of that i think leading up you had a pretty bad crash just not too long before the race is that right yeah, so we were in Barcelona doing so aerodynamic testing on the velodrome. And unfortunately, I went down and I landed on my, my chin and I fractured my jaw two places. And yeah, and that was six weeks prior to the Games. So that was not really optimal at all. I was very lucky that it could have been way worse. I could have had to lock my jaw have screws set in, having to live on fluent um, food. I was very lucky that the fact was I, I just didn't, I shouldn't use my jaw. I couldn't like bite into hard nuts and stuff, but I could go out and be physically active quite shortly after because my head, as long as my head was stable and I didn't feel pain, it was fine. The only thing that I was told not to do was crash again. So the fact that if I would crash again and I would hit my head, that would probably not be good for the fractures and the healing. I did manage to crash again like two weeks after. And the first thing I did when I crashed was bite my teeth together just to check that my, my teeth were all aligned because I was really, I was so scared that that I would have, you know, fractured my jaw even more, but it was fine. It was fine. So, uh, and, and when you have a big setback like that, like leading into the, you know, biggest race of your life at, to that point, um, I mean, were you on that start line feeling extra gratitude that you were got to be there because you had these close calls or like what was did that impact your mindset at all during the race i think um when i i was in the start line tokyo i completely forgot what happened six weeks ago i was just in the moment and i didn't really think about the crash at all i because i managed to get in a good amount of training um after the crash and as an athlete you very often just you just forget about the bad stuff you forget about that you've injured yourself when your body starts responding again because then the focus goes from being in, injured to being a functional athlete so the fact that people told me after 
the race when I wasn't a hundred percent um well, I wasn't 100% happy with the outcome and, and how the race went. Uh, the fact that people told me it's amazing that you did the race and you were able to do it and um, because you had a crash six weeks ago and I was just, what crash? Oh, I, could, I, I completely forgot about the crash. Um, and six weeks can either be a very short time or it could be a very long time. And in my in my case, I felt these six weeks dipping into the um, the games they felt like ages so um lots of time to forget about it and you you did make some news at the finish line because there was video of you consoling the final finisher claire michelle of belgium so can you tell us about that moment so i um i went over the finish by myself and i um I went, well, I went to the mixed zone or the, it was an area a couple of meters away from the finish area. And, and I stood there and I, and I chatted with another German athlete. She uh, uh, came in shortly after me and the big screen was showing straight in front of us. And I looked at the big screen and um, I could see Claire and she was walking and she was trying to hold in uh, her feelings, but I could so recognize that facial expression where you just want to break you just want to cry but you're trying to keep it together and I just felt so sorry for her I I just felt that inner pain of no one should be feeling the way she does right now and I think the majority of athletes have felt that heartbreak uh the emotions of of being very disappointed, maybe, you know, being disappointed in themselves and their bodies. Um, and I thought, I always think this way when, when I see people struggle, I always try to kind of reflect on to me, if I was that person, how would I want people to act towards me? And what would I want people to do to make this situation a better experience? And I just thought she doesn't want to feel alone. I would not want to feel alone crossing that finish line. And I would not want to fin cross that finish line and feel like my value is in my results. I want to know that my value is the same regardless if I was first or last at the Olympics. And um, and by being there for her and embracing her, I wanted to show her that you are the same athlete, you have the same respect, we know who you are, and this is anything else than a failure. This is strength, this is fight, this is um, so admirable, and so much the Olympic spirit. And the words just came out um, and it was just such, it was a moment that really meant a lot to me. Um, I, I hope it meant something to her as well. But for me to be able to do something for her when I hadn't, ha hadn't had my race that I wanted, I felt like at least I did something that shows me and what I'm worth in a sense and maybe not worth in the sense of what I achieved that day performance-wise, but also more the fact that 
now I'm showing more the worth of me as a person. So uh, yeah, it became very it became very intense for me as well. Just the fact that I I got to be the person that could be there for her in that moment. Yeah. Were you surprised by the attention that came after? Yeah, because I didn't know that they filmed it. I didn't sense the camera. I didn't. Um, yeah, the only thing I got when I came home was way to go with dropping the f bomb on live TV. <laughs> And I didn't, I like, I couldn't understand, like, what F-bomb, like, what happened? Because I, I don't think I even registered that I said the F-word. <laughs> There's a lot of emotion going on right then, but um, it was, it was a, a special moment to witness, you know, as a, as a viewer. And so I think that, I mean, you may only be mid-20s, but I think that was like a very veteran athlete um, action. So I think that, you know, we all can take a lot away from that. And we all have been in those situations. And the worst thing is being alone. So having that insight, I mean, I'm sure it meant a lot to her to Claire Michelle. Um, I, I want to move into the Winter Olympics, you know, they just happened and not in the sense of you're not a Winter Olymp uh, Olympic athlete, but Norway, your country led the medal count 16 gold medals, 37 medals total. And yet every article I read suggests that Norwegians aren't focused on winning medals. So can you tell us about the Norwegian sports culture? Is that correct? Well, I have a completely different view. I have the view that we, we want to win medals. Everything we talk about is winning. And we have very much um, a society where everyone wants to achieve big things in all areas. If it's academic. Uh, in work, uh, sports, whatever. So we we have a winning mentality. Maybe we don't say we want to go and win medals, but I think it's very much in our core competitiveness and wanting to be the best. Okay, so as we're busting the myths of things that I've read, I think it was, you know, it suggests that growing up as a Norwegian child, um, it's encouraged to participate in a wide variety of sports that no one's keeping score. Does that actually happen? Mm, I think it's very easy to kind of see everything under one. Uh, and I think in some environments in Norway, there's probably a very low-key chill vibe. And then in some other environments, it's pretty high performance and I think that's where where you're from in the country I think if from from the bigger cities there's more focus on on um, on elite training and and high performance and I think when you come more out into the smaller environment it's more about the fun and the activity but I think what what's very unique with our culture is we're very outdoorsy we like being outdoors we like being active in general we're very healthy and I think that's a very good foundation for stepping up to elite sports. Yeah. And you grew up, you're a triplet. And I think you, your siblings are also very accomplished athletes, but in different sports. I think taekwondo and volleyball is what I read. So did you grow up doing a variety of sports and then each of you just found your own path? Yeah, we've, uh, we've been doing a different stuff, dancing, gymnastics, some football, I wouldn't say it was extreme amounts of stuff. I think all families want kids to just be active and just be entertained. 
and um, for us choosing three different sports was kind of our way to get our own space because we went to the same school we went home and we met each other at home as well so it was very intense so being able to go to training go to our different environments and have our different friends and just you know be able to distance ourselves a bit from each other was very good and then because we've always been with each other from day one we've we've built this competitiveness within um the family and i think that's where we've taken the competitiveness from being triplets into sports and it and the fact that if one could succeed in their sport there was no reason why another should not be able to succeed in their sport because we were the same flesh and blood and we came from the same family and same work ethic and i think it's the same way of success breeds success so when my sister became world champion as a junior in taekwondo I thought, well, if she can do it, then I need to do it as well, because she's not going to be the only one to be the best in the world, right? So that was the kind of mentality of envious, jealousy, competitiveness. I want to do better. Um, so that's, I think, is the reason why everyone has really excelled in their sport, because it was kind of one step up the game and then the other one wanted to step up even more and so on. So what about, does that continue into Norwegian triathlon? Um, obviously, we, we saw Christian Blumenfeld, who you mentioned earlier, win the gold medal in Tokyo. You've seen Gustav Eden, who you mentioned, win 70.3 Worlds. What is the, the mentality within the triathlon group? Is it the same where you see someone have success and then you believe you can also do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the whole sense of we see each other as a group of hardworking athletes and we never say that we're the most talented athletes i don't think any of us in the national team can say that we are the athletes we are today based on talent and there's not a lot of national teams that can say that that this is a, a whole bunch of athletes that are just based off of hard work and good work ethic and i think that's what's so nice is that if work ethic can take you to the top if work ethic can make you a 70.3 world champion or olympic champion or world champion then that's what we have to do we have to work hard and we have to do the right work and then um, just have the self-belief and then we can do the same. So the fact that Christian and Gustav have had their breakthroughs in the way they have, and very much being a part of Christian's journey from when we started the national team back in 2010, and seeing the way he's worked is this boy. Yes, of course, there is a part of talent, but the majority of the reason why he has his success is through grinding away every single day doing the hard work taking the hard choices just being 
a very smart and hardworking athlete. And when you see that, um, you, you see like that's qualities I can also learn to have. Then uh, it's just about taking those qualities and adopting them and follow. And, and learning certain qualities. I listened to your interview on the World Triathlon podcast, and I think you mentioned Christian suggesting that athletes can learn how to win. And that's an important skill for young athletes. So is that something that you feel like you have have learned through training with the squad or even, I guess, even as a child, I guess you and your siblings are winning world championships. Is that, is that, do you believe that is a skill? Yeah. And I think that if I was to do something different with my triathlon career, I would probably have raced more continental cups when I was a younger athlete. So I could learn how to win because when you look at my race, statistics I haven't really won a lot um I've been a lot top 10 fourth fifth uh places I haven't really been a lot uh on the podium so if I were to do anything different I would go back uh six or seven years and I would race more European cups and world cups because I was kind of thrown into WTCS racing quite early I think that has some benefits as well because that's where you see the standard of racing uh, of the best athletes, but I also think as a young athlete, um, there is a sense of, you know, if you have the winner mentality, that gives confidence and confidence is very important to, to bring with you into senior racing and training as well. A confident athlete takes right decisions, takes smart decisions, takes decisions that's very much based on what's best for themselves uh, and not the others. So um, the fact that Christian said you have to learn to win uh, and you maybe have to um, uh, challenge yourself to take two steps back, go down a level and compete at more continental cups and world cups before you aim to race WTCS, I think is a very good point because you learn some skills and you get some confidence that I think will benefit um in the long um in the long or the bigger picture but i also think it's very very important to accept that it's not always about winning it's about challenging yourself and there are a lot of athletes that win races and they win races a lot the majority of athletes they don't win that much maybe you are lucky and you win some races during your career or you're the one that always comes top 10 top 15 whatever but the thing is we need all those athletes if there's too much focus on always winning then a lot of athletes will be very disappointed and then they won't feel that they are getting uh, success in their sport but the fact is there's so much much success in you know having uh, other goals, having you know pushing limits, uh, setting records for yourself. Um, so I think it's very important to think as there is the winning of being first, and there is the winning of always becoming a better athlete in races, and that sometimes doesn't show in results. It shows in being able 
to um, stay consistent, being able to challenge yourself in races, going for breakaways or um, running faster after a hard bike or whatever. So um, that's the other aspect of, uh, of winning, I think, yeah. And this Norwegian program, again, I think uh, it seems like you've, you've really embraced technology and data. I think there was a New York Times article recently that talked about Christian drinking a $2,000 bottle of water to test his oxygen consumption. So are you doing that kind of testing as well? No, no, no. That's, that's his project going into the sub seven is uh, tapping into all those expensive, uh, very technological thingies that will help him achieve that. Uh, it's way too expensive for the national team to to make all the athletes drink uh, golden water or um, or having sensors all over and so on. So that's very much uh, uh, Christian and his project uh, in towards sub seven, yeah. But we have a big belief in in understanding what athletes you are dealing with and what physio physiologically or how you the body is and what kind of body you have to work with and that's uh, what you learn during testing is finding out if an athlete is very explosive very endurance and trying to to make them a, a better athlete for triathlon and what we want to achieve in the sport yeah Okay, so maybe no $2,000 bottles of water, but it sounds like you do some testing, some lactate testing, um, yeah. test, testing in your training. Is That's right. Mm. And also just making sure the athletes are understanding why we're doing the work that we're doing. Having, uh, you can say also getting an education while being an active athlete. So when you are in this kind of work, you have to understand the work you are doing and how it impacts your body. And that's why you have to understand how does lactate work? How does muscle fatigue work? How do you, what kind of responses do you get when you train hard, when you rest, when you recover, what you eat and so on? Uh, because that's what you need to know to become a better athlete, a smarter athlete, and, and also to become an athlete that can perform over a longer period of time, yeah. And so knowing that, does that give you extra confidence on race day that you have done this proper training for your physiology for, you know, this is why you were doing those 20 minute hill repeats back in January. And now you, you feel good on race day that you've done everything you can. I think it all, it just makes you feel like you've done work that makes sense. So you haven't wasted time. Uh, so the work you've done is high quality work that's meant to work for you and make you perform. And then, yeah, you get confidence from knowing that you've done the best possible work for yourself. And then you can just go out and have fun. Okay. And Lada, I read a interview you did with, I think, Trimtex, your apparel sponsor. And in it, they asked, who was the most ins inspirational person that you would like to have oh, a chat with? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think what... I, I mentioned how oh, this is probably something that's going to go all, uh, that this is kind of a discussional theme. I said Donald Trump, right? 
Yes. You, I was just surprised. It seemed like a surprising answer. Do you want to, why, why did you choose him? And maybe would you change your answer now? Yeah, I would change my answer now just because, um, at the time and after, I think for me, uh, inspirational people are one day you would want, like to talk to someone and another day you would like to talk to someone in that moment. I was very much intrigued by Donald Trump. Just the fact that you can make yourself such, you can just, you know, you can make yourself whatever you want. Uh, and the fact that this guy has gone from being um, a millionaire, billionaire, gazillionaire, and then just becoming the president of the United States. How do you do that? What kind of personality, what kind of um, uh, strategy lies behind? It's very interesting. Uh, and there's the fact that this guy is not afraid to set himself insanely crazy goals and kind of challenge himself, uh, good and bad, I would say. Um, but that in general, these people that do insane stuff, it's maybe stuff that people would think was, how did that happen? It is interesting because there is also um the similarity between wanting to maybe become the best in your sport and then becoming the president of the United States I would say there there is that very ambitious um and um yeah and very ambitious sort of behind yeah I can, I can appreciate the interest and the ambition. I just thought that was a very interesting choice. But um, speaking of ambition and, you know, big goals, I think you alluded earlier to the mixed team relay and having a Norwegian mixed team relay. And of course, what kept you from that in Tokyo was that you were the only woman from Norway racing in those games. So can we expect to see a surge of Norwegian women on triathlon podiums in the couple next couple of years? Is that something that you're actively working on? That's what we would really, really like. And right now we are a very small team and we, uh, we only have four girls now uh, in the national team, but the quality is really good. And these girls work so hard and they are, so important for the next um, or for the for the future of Norwegian triathlon. I do believe that there's really good things to come. So I'm excited to see, uh, but we'll just have to wait to see, right? The thing is, you know, results show better than anything else, and I really hope that we can thrive on the female side the same way we've thrived on the male side. Um, but we're really uh, excited and motivated and just in general when we're on camp um, uh, there's this enthusiasm and want to really break through so uh, I think and I hope that will happen. And Bergen Norway will host a World Cup race this August and so what does it mean to be able to race a big international race on home soil? It means a lot, the fact that we can bring the sport to Norway and we can show Norway that the international level in triathlon is basically set, the level is set by us. Um, 
um, that they can get the, their eyes open for other things than just winter sports. Uh, because um, there's not a lot of people that know about triathlon in Norway and the fact that we have so good athletes that race internationally. So the fact that we actually can bring world or the world's best triathletes to Norway, I really hope a lot of athletes prioritize racing um, because it's a really cool course. And if the weather is nice, we'll, um, it'll be such a cool event. So we're really excited for that, and I think it will only be able, it will only help boost the sport in Norway. But also, I think it's very important that triathlon gets exposed in different countries, and that the World Cup racing goes to different countries and and cities uh, outside of what they usually um, tend to go. So the fact that they can broaden their horizon and and go more. Nordic. Now we've lost WTCS Stockholm. Maybe Norway is the next uh, base for um, international triathlon in um, in Scandinavia. I hope so. Yeah, I do too. I hope that you know you become famous for your racing and. And also your finish line um, speeches. But um, thank you so much for, for chatting with me today. We wish you the best on, I'm calling it the path to Paris. Um, we'll be definitely watching and, and we're really excited for to watch, to showcase that Norwegian racing in Bergen this summer. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really nice. Um, and uh, yeah, road to Paris. Let's uh, hope that goes well. <laughs> Haley, the Norwegians are a hot topic right now in triathlon. So I really enjoyed that interview and getting some insight into uh, their training and the culture of winning that they have going on. So thanks so much for to you for getting that interview with Lada done, uh, even even without me. And I, I missed you out there while I was on the Barkley trails. Yes, you were you were a little busy, but it was great to hear more from Lada. And I'm excited to see what she does with the rest of her career with both within the draft legal and non-drafting spaces. And um, like you said, those Norwegians appear to be on to something. So it's it's good to get some insight and things we can all learn from. But Alyssa, I'm glad you're back and I'm glad for all future interviews uh, you will be here. And, um, you know, it's, it's fun to chat with you, of course. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're getting the most out of your training push in Tucson this week. Uh, enjoy some tacos out there for me, get some good coffee, some donuts, all of the Tucson things, um, and soak up that vitamin D for sure. And I will look forward to hearing all about the rest of your time there and travels home when you're hopefully safe and sound in Bozeman next week with cowboy cuddled up at your feet. You know, you know, I am missing cowboy. I got to get back sometime, but Alyssa, have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.
All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with, oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from get, getting so destroyed? I was swimming so much last year and I used to try hard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. TryHard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're gonna need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of TryHard. I think it's like definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, try try hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the try hard products with the code 20 feisty. That's two zero feisty for 20% off store wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20 feisty for 20% off at tryhard.co. Alyssa, AminoCo has been a longtime podcast sponsor. And every time I'm listening to the show and I hear our AminoCo ad, I'm always shocked to hear how AminoCo co-founder, Dr. Robert Wolf, has run a marathon in under two hours and 30 minutes, 62 times. I just can't believe that's a real stat. Me either. It is very impressive and it gives me a lot of confidence. Dr. Wolf knows what he's talking about when it comes to performance and recovery. I actually took AminoCo Heal before and after my recent knee surgery. I've been using Heal a lot after really big workouts as I've started to ramp up my training. And I also use my personal favorite, AminoCo Perform, before and during my hardest sessions. Do you have a favorite flavor? For Perform, I definitely go with the strawberry lemonade. It has a really light flavor and a little bit of caffeine that I think helps keep me focused during my really tough intervals. And for heel, I like vanilla. I just feel like vanilla gets me into recovery mode. What about you? The vanilla heel is my favorite too. I find it mixes really well into my post-workout shakes that I make. Wait, what do you put in your shakes? Well, oftentimes just whatever I have in the fridge, sometimes vegetables, sometimes collagen, you know, whatever I have. Summer shakes are way more interesting because it's like I make them cold. But the winter shakes are a little less fancy. Do you ever add snow to your winter shakes? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start doing that now. I don't know, make sure it's clean snow. I am not quite as fancy. I just add water. It, I think it still works pretty well. But uh, well, however you like your Amino Co, you can rest assured that in clinical trials, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than doubled by athletes using Perform and Heal was shown to trigger muscle growth and repair better than other high quality protein sources. Head to aminoco.com slash ironwomen to see very large photos of me and Haley using AminoCo products. Then select your favorite products and use code ironwomen for 30% off at checkout. First time purchases also come with a free gift. That's aminoco.com forward slash ironwomen and code ironwomen for 30% off. Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It is about seeking the moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected with the beauty of the world around us. 
And let's be real, chasing Epic is feisty. Orca has been a longtime partner of Feisty, and we work with them year after year because we love their products and their commitment to creating amazing wetsuits made for women. They also supported me on Team USA last year at the One Water Race, which was most definitely also chasing Epic. With Orca's range of triathlon wetsuits, including Apex and Athlex, you can choose between flexibility, buoyancy, or a combination of both. There's a wetsuit for every triathlete and for all of your Epic adventures. And as a feisty listener, you can get 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com.